Berserker Cast, episode number 21, Falling Skies, season 5, episode 6, Respite. Hi, this is Doug Jones. I play Cochise on Falling Skies, but right now you are listening to Berserker Cast. Golden Spiral Media presents Berserker Cast, a podcast dedicated to Falling Skies on TNT. Each week we discuss the action and drama that unfolds as Tom Mason, Captain Weaver, the Berserkers, and the rest of the Second Mass fight to win back the planet from the alien overlords. Call in your thoughts about each episode at 304-837-2278 or email feedback at goldenspiralmedia.com. And now, Berserker Cast. Take me to your leader, because I'd like to have some words with him or her about this week's episode of Falling Skies. But first, I tell you what. Greetings to you. Salutations. Howdy. Hello. Welcome to Berserker Cast, a fan podcast dedicated to Falling Skies on TNT. I'm Daryl. And I'm Emily. And yeah, welcome back. This week we're talking about uh, Season 5, Episode 6, Respite. Or respite, respite. If you're from the UK, mm-hmm. that Respite's was not. If you're from, that was not a. Not the UK. If you're, if you're from Oklahoma, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> we, yeah, sometimes. Where they say cement. Sometimes and other when you're things like a bunch that. of cement, you need to respite. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> anyway. So this week we've got an episode directed by the one, the only Jonathan Frakes. Number two, totally just number two. No, number one. What? Number one. Come on. Number one. What? That was his nickname on Star Trek: The Next Generation. Oh, I actually don't know. I, I've, I, you know, you know that I haven't seen Star Trek. I do. But I'll try not to be outraged this time. But I do know that he is really well liked, and he has also directed. Uh, two episodes from Falling Skies before right. door number door number three and Journey to Chabalba. So I and I I didn't know that going in, but I was very pleased with the work he did in this episode. Yep, I can remember talking about him in the past with uh, with Falling Skies, and I have mm-hmm. to admit when I saw his name attached to this episode, and then realized how much I didn't like this episode, I was disappointed because. I generally like his work, and I don't think it's a reflection on him, but, you know, I want to like everything he does, and, well, spoiler alert, I didn't like this episode. (laughs) Major spoiler alert, gosh, you made me hold it in until (laughs) the big reveal. We can't just stop on the side of the road. You have to wait until we get to the right stop. Yeah. Three people got that joke. <laughs> the rest of them are like you, and they're like, what? What did I say that make him say that? <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> did you give the okay. writer? Did you give out the writer or the guest stars? I have not done that yet. Uh, allow me, if I may. Okay, go for it. The writer was Ayanna Floyd. Is that how you would say her first name? That is how I would say it. All right. And then guest starring Timothy Weber as Bearded Guy. Bearded guy, bearded grandpa guy. I I I watched the episode twice and I never caught his name. Mm. Did you catch his name? 
Uh, no, I didn't. I, I didn't watch it more than once. Uh, maybe if I had, I would have liked it more. Do you know the actress that played the uh, adult lead co-star thingy with bearded guy? Oh, no, I don't. I didn't look her up. I only recognized him because he is the the apprentice in uh, Once Upon a Time, but I didn't expect that you would know that. So Nope. Never seen Once Upon a Time. Actually, that's not true. I did watch one episode of Once Upon a Time because I had to one time for TV talk. Ah. And then I was like, huh, glad I'm not watching this every week. It's not, it's not my show. I know a lot of you like it. And yeah. you know what? I'm glad you do. It's not my type of show. Everybody needs to watch something that's on, right? That's right. Everybody needs to watch something. Let's give our ratings. Yeah. Go for it, Daryl. <laughs> Lead us off. <laughs> I have to do something weird because I'm, I just don't want to rail on the episode all night. Okay. Uh, five history books. And I really, it was a four. And I thought, four? Let's give it a five for some unknown reason. Why not give it a, a bonus point for being Falling Skies? Yeah, you know what? Bonus point for being directed by Jonathan Frakes. Whom you don't like anyway. I do like No, Whom I like him very like much. Anyway. Are you kidding oh. me? Okay. I love Jonathan Frakes. Right. I, on the other hand, gave it 8.43 black market spike removal procedures. You know... It like we we were talking about this briefly Wait, before sorry, we I'm hopped sorry. on. You, you gave it what? Eight point four three black market spike removal procedures. Are you going to explain the fourth the point four three? Yes. Okay. Okay. Then by all means continue. My with my apologies for interrupting you. Well, I I really actually went much more methodical for this rating. <laughs> the four the four three is kind of just me being stupid, but I I bumped it up and down points based on certain things that happened and ended up at this conclusion because overall, like I, I, I'm not sure if I was just so relieved to like this episode, (laughs) which is why I gave (laughs) it like an episode, right? Like after last week's episode, I was so ready to enjoy an episode of falling skies. So I think that partially plays into it, but there were some things that I, was like, okay, that did not need to happen. So I, I'm fully acknowledging right up front that this, like, if, if, if we're rating this episode in context of the last season, this would get a much lower rating. But as an episode, just in a show that I really enjoy, I enjoyed the episode. So, like, I, I feel like it's the exact same thing that happened last week, yes, except reverse, right? It's exactly, so, yeah. this is, this is the one where I, I enjoyed the drama and I could look past everything else that happened, whereas last week it was the opposite. So, that is, that is really I found that funny. so ironic. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I couldn't look past this waste of an episode to give it anything yeah. above a So price. now, now you know how I feel last week yeah. <laughs> or how I felt last week. How about last yeah. week? Yeah. I was really glad, you know, because I was traveling this week, there was no way that I could watch it live. And so I got into the show notes after you had already made all of yours. And I was really glad that you had already made a whole bunch of notes because I really didn't have much to say. Like had it been dependent on me to make up notes for this week's episode, it would have been the, the, Crankiest and the shortest episode of Berserker Cast ever. <laughs> were were my notes cranky last week? I feel like they were, but sometimes I I, I, I didn't take them to be cranky. I'm just saying okay. I would have been cranky. Sure, I would have sure. been like <laughs> that, like the the man who played the grandpa, like him, except in the prospector role. Ah, what are you doing? Get out of my prospecting! Steal my gold! I don't know what that means, but okay. <laughs> 
Oh, you mean like, what was the point of this? <laughs> like you write that a couple of times in these notes. I did write that. That was like my one note five times. What was the point of this? What was the point of this? <laughs> I don't get this. I'm struggling to find the point here. All right, let's get uh, into it, though. Let's, let's get, get into, into it. it. I, I ended up here. breaking my notes up into uh, the different groups that we were given. So Tom, Hal, and Isabella, and then the second mass. So I thought maybe we could start off by talking about the Tom and Hal and Isabella storylines that eventually merge and then jump into what's going on in the second mass. What do you think about that? Sounds like a great place to start. Okay. Let's start at the very beginning. A very good very good place, place to, start. to start. Yes. <laughs> when you sing, you begin with... Okay. So... Could you do that like a valley first girl, of all, please? You mean talk for the rest of the episode like a valley girl? No, like you were you were doing the sound of music. You know, you quoted sound of music, but could you do that in like valley girl? When we read, we begin like with like ABC, and when we sing, oh, let's see. Wait a minute, I have this. Just a sec. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, I got it. <laughs> All right. Was that better? See, and for those of you who are like, "What? Where did that come from?" You, see, you got to come to the live show. If you didn't, was, if you weren't here, I was for the doing live my Valley Girl voice. You, you missed, you missed the setup for that, and, and now you don't get it. Okay, I'll, I'm sorry okay. for interrupting again, but not that sorry. Please continue. That's okay. Well, I got to say, the beginning of this episode took the episode down many points for me. So I actually started off going, "What?" Because Tom wakes up in bed, being nursed back to health by a woman who looks suspiciously like Rebecca. Yeah. Which is the only reason I can come up with for him doing everything that he did in this episode. But I gave it a full point reduction for an anticlimactic solution to his being carried off at the end of last episode in the first place. So, like... End of last episode, we saw Tom being carried off by these hornets, or this hornet, one hornet. Very dramatic departure. And this week, we wake up, or he wakes up being nursed back to health with apparently just a gunshot wound and a couple needs for stitches in his head. Um, but yeah, I, is that kind of what your reaction was to that opening scene? Yeah, I don't know that I thought anything really about it being anticlimactic based on the, how he was carried off last time. I honestly didn't put any thought to that because I, at this point, I think that he is in one of those hallucinogenic slash dream state slash manipulation mind meld things that we've seen the, the Dornia do to him this season, right? And so, mm-hmm. in fact, for, for a good chunk of the episode, I thought that that still might be the case. Especially, it seemed at the very beginning like she was cutting off a of hair like i thought well she was going to do something with his dna like we had talked about maybe they were using his dna to make him a weapon of some sort so mm-hmm, i really mm-hmm. thought that we were still kind of in the midst of the drama of him being carried off and and i didn't mm-hmm. ever really go back and analyze it after that initial watch to to kind of think about it in that context but when you do kind of put it in that context it is a little bit anticlimactic for sure mm-hmm. i think i wrote it here in the notes here too um i think it was up until Hal arrived at the farm that I did think he was in a hallucination. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, we, we saw it probably most vividly in Strange Brew. You remember? I think it was season three, right? Yep. And, um, and Tom is in this alternate reality, and he has to, you know, slowly 
realize that everything that he's seeing isn't actually true and fights his way out of it. And so I, I, before Hal even arrived, I had kind of just decided that it wasn't. And because it had been done before (laughs) and if, but if it had been a hallucination, I probably would have knocked it down a couple more points because it has been done before. And what would they have gotten out of this episode anyway? Like what would have been the point of it being a hallucination? That was like, that was before Hal arrived. So essentially this family that takes Tom in, uh, the grandpa whom we've already said, we can't remember his name. (laughs) So we'll just call him grandpa. When grandpa, uh, finds Tom, he shoots the Hornet. This is according to grandpa. Mm -hmm. He shoots the Hornet, rescues Tom, brings him back and nurses him back to health. Uh, they, bandage up the bullet wound in his leg and put some stitches above his eye and then pretty much just invite him to be part of the family. So he spends maybe two days, would you guess? Maybe two days with them. Yeah, two to three. And it seems like they said at some point he was going to need two to three days off that leg before he'd be able to venture out. So obviously he wants to get out of there right away, Mm -hmm. but... But um, he probably sees and can feel the pain, so he, he knows that he has to take it easy for at least one day. But he can walk fine on a cane, so <laughs> that's usually good enough for Tom. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was just a weird thing. I, You know, I the thing that tipped me off that it might not be a dream was when Hal and Isabella stumbled ac- across the still-twitching body of the Hornet. Oh, yeah, yep. And Hal just kind of waylaid into him. At that point, I thought, okay, well, that that matches up with what Grandpa said, so I'm going to think that this is actually. Oh yeah, that's happening. a good point. You know, I I don't know. Like, what was the whole point of the of the Grandpa, you know, daughter grandchildren story? I mean, you and I talk every week about how this story does a fantastic job of 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 exposing us as humans and revealing human nature while, you know, battling aliens and and the different things that goes on. And I think that that was the point of this, this whole side plot. But like last week where we said, you know, we didn't need, or maybe it was two weeks ago, we we said we didn't need all that about Pope to understand Pope. We didn't need all that about Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, Tom to understand Tom. We're we're five seasons into this now. We we know these characters, right? Uh, well, this wasn't quite that, but I still felt like I didn't learn anything new. I know that they're right. fighting for a world like this. I know this is this is the thing that most resembles the world that existed before the invasion, and that's what they're fighting to restore. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that war destroys families. Um, I don't know. I, I was really kind of confused as to what the whole point was because at the end of the episode, we're where we were, right? Tom's back with the second mass. So I don't know. That's, this is why I really, cause this was such a huge part of the episode. This is what I really struggled with. I mean, even the conversations that Hal had with the 15 year old, the 15 year old stayed behind. Now, did he have a different perspective? Yeah, I seem to. Okay, great. You know, he gave him a fatherly talk and that only, you know, Tom Mason can deliver and the family <laughs> unit is a little better than it was when he wandered into town. That's great, but I don't know. Was that enough for me? No. So help me out. Help, help, help talk me off the hate ledge here. You know, I, I had the same reactions to a lot of it, mostly like 
you know, these are the same things Tom has been saying from the beginning, and we're never going to see this family again. We're, you know, this kid obviously isn't going with Tom, so why bother introducing them at this juncture? And really, the only thing I could come up with by the end is that they needed Tom to forget his rage and ground him back again into that the 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 Tom of old, you know, the the family oriented. This is what we're fighting for, kind of thing. Because up until this point, the season he's been fighting out of rage, and now I don't know. I think only only hindsight will be able to tell us whether this episode was worth it. Because if he just goes right back to being filled with rage, then then this episode was completely worthless. You know, because that it seems like that was the intention here. Even, you know, when he's sitting there just kind of, kind of crying at the, at the dinner table, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's very clear that it's such an out of body experience to him. It's so foreign that he had completely forgotten that this paradigm actually exists. And for all that he's done to his family in recent weeks or months or years, hopefully this will just ground him again in what that means. But that being said, they spent way too much time doing that. I mean, there, there could have been three scenes <laughs> with him in that, and that family and it would have gotten across. And I would have loved to be seeing more about that communication apparatus that they got back at the second mass in, in lieu of, of this story, because, you know, we just spend so much time focused on Tom and all of his crap that we don't get to the actual sci-fi of what makes Falling Skies so unique. <laughs> and they've done such a fabulous job in in fleshing out the the mythology of the Volm and the Ashveni. And, and here we only get this brief glimpse into what this communication apparatus is. And, you know, we have seven, eight, nine, ten, four episodes left. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. So it's a little, it's a little disappointing. Yeah. And I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're spot on. And, and uh, Jeff Gentry, who's X-Force 11 joining us for the live show. He, he also mentioned that the purpose of this episode was to help Tom get past the rage and remind him of why he's fighting and taking back to his past as a teacher. And I completely agree a hundred percent with both of you on that. I mean, the history mm-hmm. book was, I mean, I think the history book did as much for him as anything else did in this episode, as the conversations did. Let's say it was just that, but I think that that little bit was was just as important to him because it got him into that frame of mind that he started mm-hmm. out with. And I think the title of the episode "Respite" was primarily because of this storyline. Although I think it can also be applied to the second mass reaching Fayetteville and kind of having a little bit of a rest period for them too, having achieved their first des- destination. And I also agree a hundred percent that you're, when you say that we're going to have to look back on this episode to fully give it its fair due. And I, and I think that's right because when I, when I think about Tom shifting back into this other mentality, I also have to say, okay, well, what got him into this mentality? Well, what got him into this mentality was the encounter he had with the Dornia in the season premiere. Mm-hmm, the the mm-hmm. season premiere episode was Find Your Warrior. And that is what that, that 
that mantra that he was that was given to him by the Dornia, and then chopping off the head of that skitter, and and all of that was what put him into this mind frame. I mean, that's not to say he hasn't been progressing toward that if, over the last five seasons. Right. Of course he has. But this season, we talked about a switch being flipped in him that he may not be able to come back from. Uh-huh. And it looks now like he has found a way to come back from that, and I'm, I'm I love that. Mm-hmm. But. Mm-hmm. What was the point of of bringing the find your warrior element into the storyline? I don't feel like we ever got that paid off. And so, did we, did we get respite so that we can get Tom back into the mind frame that we that we know and we want him to be in by the end of the series? Absolutely. But it almost seems like that came at a an, at a nullification of an incomplete storyline and and plot device that we were handed in in the season premiere so and that's why i agree that because they seem to be disjointed and and they're not they don't jive then i think we can't fully render judgment until the end of the season but as i sit here six tenths of the way through the season i'm going what (laughs) well okay so this is this is actually something that i was thinking about today and I think I said last week, well, I, I can't remember exactly, but I, I'm pretty sure that I made an allusion to at some point that the fact that the Dornia may be leading Tom astray mm-hmm. instead of helping him, you know? Mm-hmm. And so so last week, my frustration with the inclusion of the Dornia scene was that it seemed very contradictory to the one that we saw in the episode prior to that. They first tell him that Hal has been taken, is missing, and then in the next episode, they tell him not to go after Hal. Very contradictory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we, we kind of get the same thing in this episode. This is the first episode since the premiere that we haven't had a Dornia vision. And in that same episode, he releases the rage that they had given him in the premiere. So I don't know whether, like, it seems, it seems often, especially in science fiction or even theology, when you have, uh, the introduction of a, of a deity like, being the 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 reaction is to look at them as a savior as someone who can solve all of your problems and and i almost wonder if that's how tom had reacted to the dornia at first he sees them having these this ability to forecast his life and give him all of these little tidbits of information that he un, unwittingly unwittingly surrenders his common sense to uh, this the suggestions that they make for him. So they tell him to find his warrior and that's the only way that he's going to be able to win this or, or they tell him, you know, to go uh, find the bust of Woodrow Wilson, you know, (laughs) because that's where whatever. So I'm just, I'm just thinking, you know, maybe without the scene with the, with the Dornia in this episode, Tom is starting to put more of a balance in the way that he's interpreting what they're giving him, particularly after the previous episode when they tell him not to go after Hal and he directly defies them. So I don't know if it's, if it's going to, what that is going to pan out to be, but I wonder if that's what they're trying to do. Do you think that they have some sort of ability to see through time? Maybe they, they, they encouraged him not to go after Hal because they knew that he would be taken by the Hornet, shot down by the Hornet, by the old man, <laughs> you know, taken into the happy house and then changed into a mindset that they had worked so hard to, to get him into. I I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they could see ahead of, of that. And 
that's very possible. I mean, we, we already know that they can see ahead, right? It's, it's become pretty clear that they have at least some ability to see into the future with the, with the Woodrow Wilson bust, with, um, that vision that he got of, uh, Hal sure. being hungry or yeah. hurt or whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, to whatever extent that is legitimate, I mean, it's not, it's not as cavalier as like a, um, like a fortune teller. It's, it's a little bit more complex than that a little bit more vague or ambiguous but it's still you you can still make correlations so to some degree they do seem to have the ability to see in the future but whether or not they were manipulating him yeah i don't know that's that's an interesting point yeah it's so it seems so it's yeah it does seem obvious that they have some sort of ability to, to see through time now that you now that you mention it but um and we talked about from the very beginning. Well, not from the very beginning, but from that that moment where they, where we learned that they were extinct, but living in some sort of altered alternate plane or something. We're, we're trying to figure that out. Um, uh-huh. You know, with that in mind, it, it could seem possible that that would be able to transcend time. You know, you talked about them being a godlike entity, and that would certainly be something that would correlate with with having some sort of omnipresence. Um, and, and and some sort of omnipotence as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and and that and that's particularly true. Like when <laughs> when somebody is able to speak into our lives in a way that we have not been able to before, we seem to automatically trust that and put more reliance on that than maybe you know the broader paradigm should allow us to. You know, it's unless I mean the Bible says so many times especially like in Leviticus where God is giving the Israelites all of these commandments and rules to follow you know if 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 a if a fortune teller or if a what do they call him in the Old Testament I'm not coming a up seer. with the name off the top of my head a seer or yeah whatever if if they ever make a mistake if they if a if a prediction they make ever does not come true then they are not Oh man, I'm not coming up with the name of what they're <laughs> they're called, but basically, you are not to trust them if uh, if a prediction they make never like comes a prophet, true. A you know, false so a prophet, yeah, a false prophet. Yeah. There, thank you. <laughs> but so so it's like you you either have to be right a hundred percent of the time, or you are not a prophet. Right. And right. and and that is like that is the one thing that we really tend to forget. You know, because people will be right until they're wrong, mm-hmm. <laughs> as the case may be. And yet, uh, we, we still just put so much stock in something where, you know, someone like us can see into the future or, or can shed light into Oracle. Thank you. The Polish blonde says Oracle. I think that's what if I was. If you said the Matrix, I would have been all over that. Right, because the Matrix Bible, right? <laughs> but anyway, so, so yeah, I, I'm just, I'm just reiterating the point of we, we tend to put a lot of stock into people who can see into the future, even if it, even if it is only correct one or two times. And, and the misnomer here might be that they might be able to see into the future, but it's actually their motivation that will impact how Tom will respond. And so when they try to, uh, prevent him from going after Hal, that is something where he's like, okay, maybe you can see into the future, but I don't care because something trumps that. And my life isn't as important as it is trying to go after Hal. Yeah. But it it can certainly be, it can, it, it may certainly lead to Tom's downfall in that respect. <laughs> uh, or it could, it, it could be the thing that fixes him. And we, we've talked a few times this season about how it looks like Tom might be heading for some sort of sacrificial 
death, um, you know, in giving himself up or for the good, greater good, or being used as some sort of weapon that could lead to his death uh, by the Dornia. So if he has come out of that funk, if he has turned over a new mental trajectory, that could change mm-hmm. those predictions that we've made. That's true. Time will tell, yeah, but I, I, I gotta say, I know if, if we don't make a little headway next week, I'm just going to be really sad because it's like, like what I said about the communication apparatus, there's just so many pieces of the show that are ripe for picking mm-hmm. and, and they're just, they're, they're putting them to the side. I think they're seems. stacking, they're, they're just backloading the deck with the, they've, and it's frustrating for me. I feel I feel like they're they've set up all these things and they're not really doing anything with them. So they're we're running down to two options. One is to not do anything with them, or one is to do something with them at the end of the season. And it's like, well, in a lot of ways, I feel like you're wasting this season away. And which is why I rated this episode down so much. It was like that's all we got. We discovered a new communication device. Maggie ripped her spikes out and. Tom saw a history book. Okay. Yay. I d- okay, I did like one line that um the uh one line that Willie the grandpa, I think it was, was it Willie? Jeff Jeff figured it out. Jeff says that his name was Willie. Okay. Right. I can't remember his last name now, but his name is Willie. So, one thing that Willie said really struck me and I think this is what kind of led me to the idea that this is where Tom is going to release his rage. And he said, that's one thing you learn when you get to be my age. Everything passes. And I don't know. I thought it was, I thought it was cool because, you know, it, it shows that not everyone is fighting, that some people are able to keep out of the fight. And, and Tom has always said that the, the new world is going to be built on the people, on the, on the families that survive and yeah. can, can make it. And so to see that in that context, it was, it was interesting to me. I didn't like a lot of the interactions that went on between Tom and the family, but just being able to see that this family was able to survive up until this point was really cool. Uh, one thing I really didn't like was, okay, I said that it was anticlimactic for Willie to shoot the hornet carrying Tom, but where, uh, where Hal and Isabella found that hornet, it was like nowhere near anything. So one, why was Willie out there? And two, why was the hornet in the middle of nowhere when there are, when the Ashvini are already keeping their, um, their armies so close to the vest? Like they, they don't just, why would, why would the hornet just be, Right there in the middle of nowhere. Well, I, yeah, I, I don't know that. The first question there, I think, is, is I don't really have an answer for. I think you could argue that maybe the, the Hornet was taking Tom to a different location further away for, maybe he's taking him to Washington, for example, and so you're going to cover uh, some, some territory that's not necessarily populated heavily by these other creatures, the other Hornets and Skitters and stuff, maybe. And he got shot down. I I did think there was some there was some logical leaps that were taken, even in this family not being discovered. I mean, there was a mech nearby, right? We saw them mm-hmm. with a mega mech, and yet somehow that was, I guess, the only one that ever wandered close enough to this farmhouse, and they never got discovered by anything else, or they were 
able to hide. We've seen scavengers all over the place. They were kidnapped by the family a few seasons ago. We've mm-hmm. talked about that often. It just seems like there were way too many factors in this show, this world, that they would have escaped unscathed. And it also seemed very uh, like a big stretch for them to have resources left. The Polish Blonde was talk- talking in our chat room earlier about how gas hungry generators are and that's right and i know that they said well he was a into uh, uh, the world doomsday preparer whatever type of person who had, had all these storages of things i get that but but four years of running your entire house on generators yeah. i mean they had they had lights on they were they were using the fridge they were cooking yeah so yeah yeah they had cornbread. Yeah, it was a stretch. It was a stretch. But you know, it was a bit of a stretch. That's, that's which is why I thought it was a dream. Yeah, right, <laughs> me too. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And I actually didn't really downgrade it for that. I mean, I was there was enough to downgrade it already. I mean, if I give it a five, that's about as low as I'll ever. Like, I it has to be like an episode of Grey's Anatomy or The Bachelor before I'll give it. You know, anything lower than well, that would get a one. But anyway, for Falling Skies, this is about as low as I get. So I was like, well. It's all it's all bad. Five. An episode of Falling Skies is better than no episode of Falling Skies, right? It's, it's Isn't that exactly what we said? Exactly right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. Well, the other the other thing that I I downgraded the episode point five seven points. Okay, here it is for right. for for the woman planting a kiss on Tom. Oh, okay. And I and I think I think it should have been more than that because as after uh, during my second watch. There are so many times when Tom could have just slipped it into the conversation that he was married. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like he's uh she asks him, "Are you a doctor?" and he could have been like, "No, but my wife is." Mm-hmm. You know, just I well, mean, there are people but there looking were, there for were, me, my wife and children yep, among them. Right. There were so many times that he just did not say that he had a wife that I was like, "Is why?" I mean, there's Yeah. It, it just seems like that would be natural. Like you would say, it's not, I, I'm not just a soldier. I am a family man. You know, I have sons and I have a wife. I have people who need me. It just seems really weird. But yeah, I, when she, I knew the kiss was coming from like the first time I saw her and he said, Rebecca. Yeah. Well, I think you're right. They did hire an actress that resembled Rebecca enough that I think. You know, had he kissed her, I mean, that would have been awkward too. I'm not, it wouldn't have been, but because he, because she looked enough like Rebecca, you could almost go, okay, his mind is, you know, he's weakened. I don't know. She's a nurse and she's taking care of him. It still would not have been right or or really justifiable in any way, but I don't know. It was weird because she did resemble Rebecca enough to make you think that they were trying to, to mess with either us or Tom or both in that circumstance. Right, because it's it's one of my questions last week was why why does the Dornia keep appearing to Tom as his wife? Right. And even though even though he knows that it's not his wife, they keep saying things in the tone of his wife so that he'll listen to them. So like, I love you, you know, or or hell's missing. And so here it was almost like they were trying to be his wife but not really and and more nudge him in mm-hmm. that way but but you know as it turns out this was a complete quinketing show like it reminded me when benjamin linus put juliet as jack's caretaker because she resembled sarah we I mean, we found that out definitively at some point in this spoiler alert if you haven't watched the last we're beyond spoiler you know range here 
Uh, <laughs> but there wasn't even that payoff here. It was just like she resembled Rebecca and there was no, maybe it was just a casting coincidence. I don't think so because he even wakes up and says, Rebecca, you know, and that's what, and that's what gets me. Like, I don't know if I would have actually thought about it unless he had said that, but because I, because Rebecca hasn't really been a character on this show. So it's only he who would be able to recognize or see the similarities, but yeah. Okay. Wow. We've spent a lot of time on Tom, which is not really worth it. I mean, like you said, we didn't get a whole lot out of this story. Hopefully we'll see that Tom's attitude changes as we head into the next handful of episodes. So it's all that I can hope to get out of it. You know, and I, I, I look, I'm always a, ha- a glass half full kind of guy. We've, we've talked about that a lot. And I have to think that because of this change that we've seen here, seeming change that we've seen in the mindset of Tom after this episode, look, there are there are only four episodes left in this series, so it would seem you know, that the, the second mass is now in Fayetteville. Next destination that they have talked about is D.C., where the the big gray blob is, you know, cloaking Covering. whatever's <laughs> really happening there. So it would seem like the black we're thing. about to get four episodes of really good stuff right please tell me i'm right i need some wood to knock <laughs> I know, on right? Here we go. i don't have any wood i've got some faux wood it's it's like uh press wood here that my desk is made out of press board my map my map frame is made of wood there so i'll go. just do that all right okay <laughs> okay well, let's talk about hal and isabella okay. what do you say right let's do it uh, I, I really didn't have a whole lot to say in this. I mean, it's, you saw the kiss coming. Uh, you saw the bond coming. They, they both seem to have, well, she's kind of snarky, kind of like a, a little brazen, like Maggie was at the beginning, but a little bit more willing to share information, yes. which is probably why Hal ended up kissing her just because like it, it's almost Maggie, but she's easier <laughs> to break than Maggie. Well, it's not like Maggie <laughs> but, uh, has really been warm and open to Hal, you know. Oh, absolutely in the not. Last yeah. Season, really. <laughs> well, he's probably. She can cheat the night can too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I actually, I actually really like this, and I'm not gonna go so far as to say that I am liking this new triangle that's gonna crop up. Quadrangle. But, quadrangle. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do, I do like that he is able to see someone else in that way because. Not not because that I think that he and Maggie aren't going to work out or whatever, but just because, you know, at that age, you just get so caught up in your feelings or whatever for one person that it, it distracts you from seeing other people. And it's just, I think it's just healthy for you to be able to let go of someone in that way if they're not seeing you in that way anymore. And so... I, I liked it, and I'll, I think it'll... I'm not sure what it'll do for the rest of the season, and I, I don't really care about the romance part of it, but I, I do like that Hal is kind of seeing it in that way. Yeah, so, you that's know, all. I don't really care. It's very rare that I'll watch a television show and, and, and care about a romantic relationship. That's not why I watch television shows. If I ever care about a relationship, it's just a... They must have done a really good job of writing those characters and, and developing that storyline for me. They really care about it, you know. To go back to Lost, I only ever really cared about Jen and Son and, and Sawyer and and Juliet. Um, that's about it, really. 
Bernard and Rose were good too, but at any rate, Walt and the dog didn't care about the Jack Sawyer Kate love triangle mess. This is certainly not the Jack Sawyer Kate love triangle mess. I think I, I do care about these characters, and particularly you know Maggie, Hal, and Ben since they've been in the show from the beginning. But you had to see this coming, you know, especially mm-hmm. with Maggie now having her spikes removed. That was the thing that was linking her and Ben. And I don't know if she was trying to get rid of the spikes because she saw that it was it was keeping some separation between her and Hal. And she felt like it was the only reason, only way that she was really going to be able to figure out her true feelings for Hal was to be able mm-hmm. to to pull the spikes out. I'm not sure how much of that was a motivator here, but... At the same time as a viewer, when she's pulling those out, you know that it's going to have an impact on her and Ben and therefore have an impact on, on her and Hal as well. And then when Hal shows up with Isabella, <laughs> you know, it is all awkwardness all around. So now it really is this weird, messed up relationship thing. And it does seem a bit forced because Isabella is there. She doesn't need to be at this point. And for the real, I mean, like, what's the point of her being there? She may add something to the second mass. That, that's, you know, yet to be seen but so i don't know i don't know what to think of this yeah i think the only reason i mean i don't watch television for relationships either but i i i like it when the show is being realistic in this way and at the age most of them are at not maggie but the rest of them it it seems more plausible for the way people go about dealing with relationships and and to put that into the paradigm of this show and and the post-apocalyptic nature of it i think is kind of cool so that's that's all i wanted to say about that yeah. it was just it's just interesting to see it play out it was so. funny and, and who was it that mentioned it here um all kinds of awkward. There it is. Mickey says the awkwardness Isabella showed when Maggie came up to Hal was priceless. That was pretty good. Oh I, my I gosh! Yes. Oh, <laughs> there were so many good things about that scene. Yeah. Like but... if Maggie had kissed Hal, and that would have been oh like the cherry on top of that awkwardness. And it 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 did not um make it it was not lost on Maggie. I should say <laughs> Maggie totally noticed oh, yes. how awkward that oh, was. Yes. Okay, what do you say we get into the whole second mass storyline? Okay. This was the best part of the episode. Too bad it was only like one third of the episode or I know. Or less. So such a bummer. Yeah. Okay, so two things are going on here. First, Maggie wants to get rid of her spikes. Now I will say that this came out of nowhere. I mean not nowhere, 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 but because, you know, we we knew that there was we've we've talked all season, right? Like those were gonna have to become an issue at some point, but it just seemed like this point came from like why this why this episode today instead of two weeks from now. That's what seemed like it came out of nowhere for for me. What about you? Well, actually, I thought it was right in line with the scene, the pretty much the only scene that we were given with Ben and Maggie in the previous episode, where right. they have that moment of connection, and she goes, oh, "I hate not being in control." So I I felt like it was right on the heels of that. I agree with that, but still, it just seemed. I don't know sure. why now, but not knowing what the maybe they maybe as they were writing out the episode, the season they said, well, we've got to resolve this at some point. So here's the best. Spot. Well, this this is, this is kind of why I, I I sent out the the Twitter question of the week, the BC, BC Twit question of the week, which was um, That's right. yeah. 
do you do you think that Maggie's going to soon regret having her spikes removed? And because like I, I feel like they they did it at a time where it's not so soon that it's like oh she we we learned that you can remove your spikes and everything is better and go on with their life. You know it's it's not that that that's all the residual effects that we get. But she has time now to regret taking those spikes out. She has time to see whether or not uh, her condition degrades, like maybe the, the change isn't permanent and there's still alien DNA circulating in her blood and soon that will disappear and she'll go back to her paralyzed state. Or, or maybe she'll regret hurting Ben in that way or, or uh, regret having that connection with someone else. So there's a lot that can still happen with with uh the after effects of her removing that so we do know at least to this point that it seems to have healed the the spikes seem to have healed her condition so installing the spikes having them in for maybe a prolonged period of time and then removing them can heal a person of an ailment mm-hmm. what do you think of Anne's reaction to her desire to take out the spikes <sighs> she had some good points i mean you know on the one hand they don't know for for someone who has had as extensive injuries as Maggie had they don't know how her body will react after removing them i think they've all, they only removed them on kids that didn't have any injuries like Maggie did you know so they don't know if it'll kill her <laughs> uh but i don't i don't know whether to be turned off or not by Anne's and bringing up the fact that she's one of their best soldiers. She's one of the spike kids. And so being a star soldier is certainly an integral part of her reason to say no. But I don't, I don't, and I don't know whether I'm saddened by Anne's reaction in that way or not. It's also, like you said, wartime. So why choose now to have them removed? But when it comes to Maggie, you know, <laughs> there's no saying no to that girl. Well, that's the point. Yeah, that's 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 the point. That's not the point, but that that's 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 right. And I get Anne's point of view too. In fact, I mean, it seemed like a, a very selfish thing for Maggie to do what she did. Uh, yes, it is her own body. She should she she wants to be able to control it again. She wants to be able to understand what's going on to her. I understand that, and I I I think I sympathize with her. In fact, but mm-hmm. um. At the same time, she is she's not her own at this point. None of them are. They are mm-hmm. all dependent on each other. Mm-hmm. And because of that, they have to make decisions for the greater good. We've seen that. Well, we've talked mm-hmm. about that at, at nauseum this season. So she accuses Anne of being selfish and not and, and her reasons for not wanting Maggie to take the spikes out. And then she, you could argue, is being very selfish in doing it anyway, but I think there's no argument in that she was very selfish in not telling Ben and just doing it behind his back, knowing the connection that they shared, because she was afraid he would talk her out of it. Well, you know, so she's mad at Anne for being selfish, for making her want to keep him in and doing the very same thing to Ben and you know we're all guilty of this where we can we can't see the plank in our own eye but it was it was frustrating for me to see her behave this way disagree it seemed no not at all I mean it 
I mean, it was it was hard to see her behave in this way, but it's also very in line with her character. I mean, she she said that she's always been a, an independent person and she needs to be able to think for herself and control her own body, and she hasn't been able to do that. So even approaching Anne about removing the spikes was a very selfish thing to do. Like you said, you know, we're not our, or they're, they're not their own right now. Everybody's in it for uh, the greater good. But she she never approached Anne truly with the idea that she's doing this for the good of everyone. Like, how how is she going to make a better contribution to the second mass without the spikes? That's that's kind of the point here. Mm-hmm. But so the, it seems. I mean, if if it wasn't wartime. Anne's reaction would have been much different. So I think that's what it comes down to. Anne was looking at Maggie not as a girl who's being controlled by an alien technology. She's looking at her as a soldier. And Maggie is only seeing how out of control she is over her own body. So it's... I, I actually really liked the drama there, <laughs> and I thought it, they, it was one of the reasons that I ended up bumping the episode back up was just because it was it was really powerful to see uh, both of them kind of fight for what they want, and even for Cochise to step in then and say, I'll do the procedure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and give his reason for wanting to help Maggie out, but... Were you yeah. worried that she was going to die on the operating table at any point in the procedure? Uh, not die. I thought if anything, she would be paralyzed again. And I, and I thought that that would be a really interesting way to go about it because, you know, they remove the spikes and the alien DNA leaves her and she's all of a sudden back to her own paralyzed state. And I would have been like, okay, now Ben has to give up the rest of his spikes to save her. (laughs) And and that would have been because then that would have led to Barb's prediction, you know, that Ben is going to die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I I saw that as a possible route, but I I didn't see her actually dying. Yeah. I didn't either. I, I, although I didn't think about that. And that hey, who's to say that couldn't still come? Maybe the spiky That's effects true. will wear That's off. True. <laughs> oh, I loved. Okay, so so mi- midway through the procedure. Cochise is unable to get out the final spike. And so he has to run and get Anne, probably because he's not a doctor, so he's scared that he's the next move he makes is going to be the wrong one. But <laughs> after it's all said and done, <laughs> Anne says to him, do you want to explain to me what you were thinking? <laughs> and Cochise is like, not particularly. <laughs> and just leaves it at that. Yeah. I loved that line. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good uh, line, actually. I, I forgot yeah. about that one. <laughs> uh so did you did you feel like uh the pace of all of that was good or did you have any problems with the way that it all unraveled in that episode like would you have expected the actual removal to occur in the next episode or something no the only thing that struck me weird with the pacing was that it just seemed like it went really fast there was there wasn't enough drama build up for me to ever actually feel like she was going to die she didn't ever really seem like she was in any peril to me i I don't think that maggie is a character that is so precious that she has to live through to the end i hope that she does i i I enjoy her that much but i don't think that she's a sacred cow and so well so that wasn't the reason i didn't think she would die i just 
didn't feel like the drama was there built up enough to really make me okay. feel like she was in any danger. Cause it was just like, Oh, she's in danger. I, I can't do this. I'm going to go get Anne. Anne's here. Now, now she's, she's okay. So okay. Uh, that was my only thing on the pacing. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if I, I liked how quickly it moved. Like the entire episode, I felt like, you know, like I was saying, it was a good reprieve from the previous episode where I just hated everything. <laughs> but, um, so I, I was, I was glad that they moved so quickly, but I didn't think about it not building up my, uh, anticipation of her death or something. Mm-hmm. But, cause I, I, I don't know. Hmm. That's a good, good point. Hmm. Okay. Well, anyway, okay. now that I'm lost in that thought, let's talk about <laughs> Marty. Marty, sorter oh of underpants. Got your toothbrush in the front pocket and your undies and your socks in the other pocket. <laughs> That's just weird. <laughs> I, I'm not sure what the point of Marty is. Maybe it's just maybe they're just trying to be funny and not have him be yet another red shirt. <laughs> yet, <laughs> but I, but he, but when when Weaver sends him on the the hunt to find a bottle of whiskey, he ends up uncovering this communication apparatus that supposedly belongs to the Ashfeni. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it he does end up coming through for them and doesn't die in the process. Probably because Tom isn't there. Yeah, if Tom but, had sent him on the errand, he would have definitely died. Right. But yeah, it would have been he would have touched it and good. died or something. It would have been. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, um, but other than that, like he really didn't have a huge job to play other than to maybe annoy, yeah. <laughs> annoy Weaver a little bit. Very funny. It was a little bit uh, weird okay. to see because he was annoying. And I think Weaver sent him one. It was like when Jack sent Boone after the pin and the lost pilot it was like, just get out of here. Go, go, oh, find, yeah. a pin. <laughs> go, go find me a bottle of whiskey, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah, he, I think he is. I think he is just a red shirt. He's just having a little, he gets to wear it a little bit longer than most red shirts. What do you, yeah, yeah, I mean, is there any, is there any way he's, he survives? Does mm. he have any real usefulness? Well, maybe he'll get his wits about him again and, and he'll just kind of fade into the background, you know, hopefully. I don't know what more he can do other than to be an annoyance. <laughs> and I think one, one week is enough for that. But yeah, I don't know. I, I can't speak to that. What's more interesting though is this communication apparatus that yes. he does find. And I keep calling it that because that's what, I think that's what the Volm called mm-hmm. it. Uh, when, when they first arrive at the distillery, uh, Eshveni, <laughs> or not Eshveni, sorry, uh, Koshi says, we have come here because we have detected a communication apparatus. Cause, what was it? Anne was like, of course, you can find the only whiskey distillery in the state or right. something like that. <laughs> well, they found the only Camaro left in the fear. state, you know, so they need to find That's the true. bottle of whiskey left as well. Speaking of which, what was the deal with the car that Willie gives to Tom at the end of the episode? I mean, it's like a brand new old car. Yeah. Where, where are they coming up with the gas and oil for this thing? Well, they have gas for the generator. What's another few gallons to spare? Do they run in the same kind of gas? Yeah, they should probably both run on. Well, that that old of a car, unless it's been reconfigured or there's been an additive, a leaded, a leaded additive added to it, then it probably would have a difficult time running on uh, on unleaded fuel, but a generator would. Well, a generator might run on diesel fuel, though. Okay. I don't know. Don't make me think about stuff like that. That makes me want to score it down to a four. <laughs> Sorry, nitpicking. Okay. 
We'll go back to the communication apparatus. Yeah, so let's talk about the communication apparatus. <laughs> it was cool when uh, Weaver put his hand on it and we saw the little flashy to the... The shadow lens. Yeah. How cool is that? Shadow plane. Sorry. Shadow plane. Yeah, whatever. Uh, yeah. And this time there were a lot more overlords yeah. than the last time. So where was that? Was that like out in space and some wherever they live? Or is this what's happening in D.C.? What What did we see there? Well, the last time we saw the Shadow Planes was when the two overlords were communicating last year. And Lexi even is able to uh, overhear a conversation that they have. So I don't know whether this... this when they communicate in this way, do they do they just go to a different plane of existence, mm-hmm. or do they? Is it just like a like a mirage, if you will? Because because we saw the two overlords last year, they would just crumple up the dirt mm-hmm. and 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 they would still be on planet Earth, and yet they would be talking face to face in the shadow planes. Right. So, I mean, clearly they're not in two places at once, unless they're just that good. <laughs> Yeah, no, you're right. It just seems like, um, yeah, I think that's, I think that was just misinterpreting it. So you, it's just their, the collective consciousness of all of those who are able to connect to the shadow plane. Right. So my thought was just that these are, they're, they're having a meeting <laughs> and everyone, all of the Ashveni on planet Earth are at this meeting communicating from their various points. That that's just what I kind of thought okay. it was. Yeah, but I think you're right. I I don't know what I was thinking, but I think you're right. No, I just a guess. I mean, clearly we don't know anything about this because all that Weaver said was something along the lines of "There's a lot of overlords in that thing." <laughs> <laughs> I really don't even know what he said, but that's just how I heard. Actually, I heard "Daggum, there's them overlords in there." <laughs> that's all I heard. Okay, <laughs> I'm not exactly sure what they said, but um. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that that's all we pretty much got out of it. I I can't remember anything else that happened in that scene. No, uh that's was Tom with him yet when when Weaver touched her or was did Tom arrive at the very end and they they told him about it? I don't remember what happened there. He arrived at the very end. The last scene was them looking at it, I believe. Okay. okay. That's why I don't remember there was any, was there any dialogue? No, I I don't think so. There was something like Weaver says something about I think we've just found Oh, that's right. The beginning of the that's, end or something. Right. He did say that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, so do you think that they yeah, will be know. able to use the communication device to be able to spy on the Ashveni and get it the upper hand on what their plans are? I mean, that has got to be the only reason for this. I mean, it's not a weapon. It's just an ability to communicate, it seems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if you can get in on the enemy's communications without them knowing it, do you think that Ben might be able to, oh, to yeah. you know, put his hand on there and be able to... Because it seemed like Weaver, it was like information uh-huh. overload load for Weaver, or he wasn't able to really sustain yep. himself on there. Do you think maybe Ben will be able to do that? Or anybody else? Yeah, no, I think that's a really good... Good thought, because it seemed like Lexi was able to get into it mm-hmm. without any problem. Mm-hmm. And so maybe the same is true for Ben. I like I that. I can't think of anybody else, you know, and then Maggie's taking her spikes out. So there's got to be yeah. some fall off oh. from her taking those spikes out, right? Right. I was just going to ask, do you, do you, do you think that one, 
Well, maybe maybe we should hit this when we get to the Twitter question. I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's okay. do that. Okay. Should we get into some listener feedback? Let's do it. All right. So, first one comes in from Mickey and OKC. He says, Hello, Berserkers. Mickey and OKC here with some thoughts about the latest episode of Falling Skies. First of all, I want to express how much I enjoy the live show with Daryl and Emily. It really adds value to the show, and it's just plain fun. Well, it's fun having you in the live show, Mickey. Thank you. Indeed. Uh, Indeed. I must say, I was a little disappointed with the manner in which Tom ended up on the farm. By shooting the hornet carrying Tom? Really? I do not want to criticize Falling Skies. However, I'm going to anyway. Was this not the same creature that Pope's people could not bring down? So an old farmer with a rifle is going to shoot him down. Plus, if there is no war going on at the farm and is so far removed from the action that they are not even aware of it, why or how is a hornet flying over Tom, over with Tom's close enough for him to be shot down? I thought it was weak or shall I go so far as to say lazy? I think that a better scenario would have been for Tom himself to have shot the hornet with a pistol he had on his person and come down near the farm. I think this or something like it would have been more plausible. We are talking about aliens and such, after all. (laughs) In spite of this point, I really liked this episode. Tom's time on the farm and even the existence of a place like this making Tom break down at the dinner table was, to me, powerful. I knew exactly what Tom was thinking and why he was having this emotional breakdown. I thought Noah was fantastic. Oh, the actor. Yeah, Noah Wiley. Noah Wiley. Okay. Uh, Meanwhile, back at the war, Dan has his own valet, it appears. (laughs) I thought Marty was great, trying to do anything to make it up to Dan. You could see how uncomfortable it made Dan. Dan. I must confess, I felt uneasy myself for him. I also got a chuckle out of the whole situation. Maggie lost her spikes, not sure if she really wanted her self-control back because she didn't want to feel for Ben against her will. Maybe she wanted to see if she loved him without the spikes. Perhaps she wanted to be free of them so that she would not be compromised with Hal. I also thought that she was tired of being used as a super soldier. I understand the why, just not the why now. Kind of like Mm -hmm. you, Daryl. Thought it was nice that Marty found the relay, thought he was going to be a red shirt. I was surprised that an important piece of tech like that had no protection. Gotta go. Look forward to the podcast. I would rate this episode eight pans of skillet cornbread. Looked yummy. Skillet cornbread is delicious. It is delicious. I love that stuff. Mm -hmm. Wow. I, I feel like Mickey and I were totally on the same page for this episode. Yeah, yeah. Mickey and I had a few points in common as well, but uh, we didn't arrive at the same conclusions and, and score like you two did. Right. Cool. Yeah, no, I I mean, I I think I've already touched on a lot of what he was saying. I, I had a similar reaction to the Hornet carrying Tom. I liked his, his suggestion, though, that it would have been interesting to see Tom actually shoot the Hornet down yeah. with his own pistol. That would have been, I actually would have gotten behind I that. Did, I think when, because yeah, I, I hadn't heard it until just now. I didn't read this, but I, I like that better. Yeah, no, I, I definitely do yeah. too. <laughs> Mickey, you should totally send that in say, this is what you need to do for the rewrite. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Mickey. All right. This one comes in from our friend, Mike. Mike R, who is one of our GSM Arr. co-hosts over here, uh, or, or he hosts, what's he doing this summer? Extant? And in the Extant. non-summer, he's doing the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, so we like his work. But he says, my family and I drove to Myrtle Beach for the first week of August and passed through Fayetteville. 
on our way there. Although I saw no signs of the second mass, I did see plenty of signs for Fort Bragg. But when I saw this sign, I told my wife to get a picture of it with her cell phone. Luckily, she was quick on the trigger. Who knew Pope had an army airfield? And so it's a <laughs> sign of an interstate highway sign. You know those big green ones that are, you know, hung over the highway. And it says, Fayetteville, Fort Bragg, Pope AAF. That's kind of funny. Actually, it's a lot. That is funny. very funny. Yeah. I will. I will put this picture in the show notes because it's it's worth seeing and kind of funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> All That's right. F- we do have a couple of audios this week. One's from Barb and one's from Justina. Let's check out Barb first. Hi, Emily and Daryl. This is Barb calling in with feedback on this week's Falling Skies Epi Respite. I'll give this epi 7.5 slices of homemade cornbread. Mmm, good. It's got to taste better than barbecued skitter. I think this was our calm before the storm, and I expect the last four episodes to be action-packed and deeply emotional. Tom needed this reset during his respite to get rid of the anger that the Dornia Rebecca lookalike instilled in him when he returned from the moon mission. Tom left the farmhouse as a man who knew that the humans needed to win. He found his humanity again. The human race would need to learn how to put the war and all the anger behind them and learn to live again, just as the farm family was doing. When Grandpa said to Tom, when you get to be my age, I thought, oh, no, here's another hint that Tom won't make it. I'm on the bandwagon with Justina. I think that Tom is the weapon. I thought the show did a great job of using old-fashioned furniture and knickknacks in the house to give an old, safe feeling to the farm, to the home, and to the entire setting, for that matter. I also like the use of the sepia tinting to reinforce that feeling. It reminded me of my grandparents' home on the farm in the 60s, and it definitely portrayed the feeling of safety. It was a nice reminder of what the second mass had before the alien invasion without the creepiness of Chinatown. I don't believe we're going to have an X years later, here's where they are now, finished to falling skies. So I think that this was the writers telling us that those who survive will be okay. The timing of Maggie's choice to get rid of the spikes was surprising to me. I would have expected her to wait until the Washington, D.C. battle was completed. The second mass has done so much for her, and as a super warrior, this was the way that she could give back to them. She's had those spikes for a long time. Her decision to remove them seemed forced. Now I'm wondering if Maggie's going to survive the season. After only two episodes, Isabella seems a better fit for Hal in the world after the war. Now I think that there would be a fan rebellion if that happened, but anything could happen at this point. What was we were thinking putting his hand on that Asfini communication device? I was surprised to see several dozen more lords, perhaps more. I'm also surprised that Cochise didn't know something about the Asfini method of communication. I would have expected that after years of fighting them, the Volm would have known a bit more about their enemy. The team should be moving on to their next stop in Virginia for next week's epi. They're moving quickly now versus the slow pace that we saw at the beginning of the season. Savannah, Georgia to Fayetteville, North Carolina is about 250 miles. And if they're headed to Norfolk, Virginia next, that's another 230 miles. It appears the Asfini have retreated and consolidated their strength in the D.C. area and are no longer a presence on the roads. I think that the team would basically travel north on whatever was left of Interstate 95 since that is the main road and it is a straight shot to their destinations. If the Asfini had any sense, 
they'd be monitoring it. But we're wrapping it up, so I'll just hand wave that one. That's it for this week. This is Barb signing out and not planning on placing my hand on any strange glowing objects. <laughs> That's probably a wise move, Barb. Probably. Oh, there's a lot of hand-waving that I feel like we're going to have to do in the next couple episodes, just based on what we've seen so far. Yeah, I mean, a lot of good points. I think she is kind of right where we are, maybe a little bit more positive than you about the episode, though. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, she had a lot of the same conclusions, kind of like Mickey, a lot of the same conclusions that I had and you had, uh, particularly with, with Maggie and her choice of why now and, and that sort of thing uh-huh. um, but still seemed a little bit more positive about the episode than i did I, I i like we said from the very beginning i i do think it's pretty funny that for the reasons i liked last week's episode and gave it a pass you gave this week a pass and we we, we you and i completely switched chairs uh this this yeah. week in last week so it's pretty funny <laughs> it is pretty yeah. funny Uh, yeah. Inevitable. <laughs> Alright, good stuff, Barb, as always. And as Justina always. always brings stuff, good stuff, too. Here she is. Hi, Daryl and Emily. Wow, the writers of Falling Skies really know what they're doing when they're naming an episode. This one, being called Respite, was very fitting because that is what Tom truly got, was a respite from the war. I am very glad that it was a true respite and not another one of those Dornia dream hallucination type things. I'm glad that it was truly a respite because I think that even if you took this out of the science fiction world and thought about it in the real world, that when you are in the middle of a problem, and it just keeps going on, in this case, for many years, it is really important to step back and get away from it for a a moment so that you can think more clearly and refocus yourself. And I think that makes you more prepared to face what you need to face in the end. I give this episode 7 out of 10 slices of cornbread. I had to grade it down a couple of points because I almost had a heart attack while they were taking Maggie's spikes out because (laughs) she's my favorite and it was just freaking me out. And also that we did not see Pope in this episode and after that dramatic ending last week with the blood coming out of his mouth, I really wanted to know where Pope was going to go next so I was disappointed that there was no Pope this week. My favorite part of the episode is when Weaver touched the communicator and we got to see the shadow plane because I always find the shadow plane very interesting. But it did freak me out because that looked like a whole lot of overlords. I hope you have a great week. All right. Thank you, Justina. You know, Justina said something about the importance of a respite, and it seems to me as she like she has hacked into my computer and has seen the notes <laughs> for the Wednesday episode of Stuff I Learned Yesterday this week. Ooh. That's all I'm going to say. That's yeah, scary. That's kind of cool. Spoilers! Spoilers! <laughs> Which I'm doing the Wednesday show uh, this week because Mark is still on vacation. So anyway, yeah. Ah. Uh, yeah. 
Go ahead. He's still in the Americas. No, he's back in the Canadians, but in the Canadians. Hmm. So I I find it ironic that that Justina actually downgraded the episode because there was no pope and i upgraded the episode because there was no pope <laughs> i mean okay like i mean i i think when we when becky wrote in about how much she had been enjoying the pope and sarah relationship yeah. you know yeah. i i mean it, i i totally agree that pope has been a dynamic and interesting character from day one but this season has completely you know destroyed all of that for me and i just I, it's probably a good thing because, you know, when you, you only have these kinds of feelings over characters when they have made an impact, right? right? right. We, I wouldn't be feeling so strongly if I hadn't felt so strongly. <laughs> I know it's, it's, it's circuitous, but anyway, so I, I know that everything is going to be coming to a head here soon, but I was actually glad to have a, just a bit of a reprieve from Pope and, kind of let some other storylines have a little bit more attention. Yeah, it seems interesting to me, too, that you thought the way they handled the Tom Hornet was anticlimactic based on the setup they gave us in the last episode, and she thought the lack of Pope in this episode was anticlimactic based on that being the closing shot of the previous episode, and I... Mm-hmm. I I, yeah. I hadn't really thought about Very that. Ironic. You know, you t- two weeks ago you talked about the closing scene of the episode and how it tied into the next episode, and I had forgotten about that. I hadn't really connected the two in that way, and and I hadn't this time either. So I'm glad you and Justina are keeping me on my toes in that way. We do what we can. I need it. It's a struggle. I need it. It's a struggle. I am difficult to <laughs> keep in line sometimes i wasn't gonna say it but you guys do a good job of that all right good job justina good job barb good job mike good job mickey we would love to hear from you next week as we are looking at the penultimate 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 episode (laughs) that's not a thing (laughs) it is now No. Call us at 304-837-2278 or head over to goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback. And if you want to participate in our BC Twit question each week, which we would love for you to do, follow us on Twitter at GSM Podcasts. We'll throw out a question. I say we. Emily will throw out the question on Monday mornings. You'll have Monday and Tuesday to respond with the hashtag BC Twit. Emily, what was the question and responses this week? So this week I asked, do you think Maggie will soon regret removing her spikes? And we got a few responses here. Uh, Jeff Gentry, X-Force 11 says, oh, yes. At least that's how I read his tweet. Um, It could have just been, oh, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Barb, Tangier 14 says, she'll regret it when she realizes she can't save Ben without them. (laughs) And then she says, okay, I'll stop. Maybe. I like that idea. (laughs) Yeah, that's funny. Uh, Let's see. Soka718 says, I think yes, but the person that will regret it first is Hal. He has a new option now and has to make a choice. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Pretty girl number one or pretty girl number two? (laughs) First world problems. (laughs) And Justina says, I fear Maggie may regret it because Hal may get in trouble and she may be too weak to help him. 
Mm, similar. Mm-hmm. I think, I definitely think that it's going to come down her, whether she regrets it or not is going to come down to something like that where she can't save someone she needs to, or she can't do something that she, that maybe only she could have done before. Yeah. But now I can't remember what we were going to talk about here. Um, well, I think that was the question was, is, is she going to regret pulling those, pulling those? I think that was essentially our question. And okay. I, th- I think she will. I think, I hope, you know, I, I, I won't care if she doesn't because we did talk about at some point, we would love to see Maggie and Ben having their spikes removed. And being able to go out into the world and be okay with all the alien tech gone and behind them. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. maybe by them doing it here at this point in the season, they've answered that question for the, for the future. Ben will never have his spikes removed as far as we see, but we know that, you know, we, we can go away knowing that, Hey, he's got that option. Should he choose to? And maybe that's the next thing he did, you know the next day or something like first thing he did the next day. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like they've answered that question now. So I don't feel like she has to regret it in order for there to be a payoff here, but it it would seem likely that there is going to be some sort of negative repercussion for her going ahead and pulling those out because she did it in kind of such a selfish and abrupt way. Yep. No, I, I I like that. I like that a lot. I, I agree with that. I think it'll be, it'll become apparent pretty soon. I, I think I'm like you in that it, it probably won't make a huge difference if she never says anything about it again. But for the sake of everything that she experienced while having it, I think it would be very rewarding to have her end up seeing the benefit that it did give her. Not just, you know, the superpowers, but also in the connection she had with Hal or with Ben. And I know it's creepy and I know the age difference is huge, but you know, disregarding the age difference, just being able to, like she said it in a couple episodes ago when she and Hal were looking for those two kids that they rescued, mm-hmm. you know, she said she had never experienced family like Hal had. And finally with the spikes, she's able to understand that connection, that bond. And I just, I just wonder if she's going to get really sad that she isn't able to connect with that mm-hmm. again, uh, especially in light of Hal potentially moving mm-hmm. on. <laughs> to someone yeah, else yeah. so very interesting we'll see we'll see indeed is that all the responses we received i guess that's all we got all right well thank you to everyone who sent that in our contact information so you can send in your feedback i already gave it but i'll give it one more time golden slash feedback or 304-837-2278 the feedback deadline is 6 p.m eastern on Tuesdays and at 8 p.m. Eastern on Tuesdays for the next four weeks. We're going to be podcasting live about Falling Skies. We would love for you to join us over at goldenspiralmedia.com slash live. What do we have next week? Next week, episode seven entitled Everybody Has Their Reasons. It seems like an episode title that's going to deliver some answers, doesn't it? You would think, but... You just never know. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Knocking on wood yeah. again. Got it. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for tuning into this episode, Emily. It's been a pleasure chatting with you tonight about Falling Skies. It's been a pleasure chatting with you too, Daryl. All right. All right. I think that's it. So, 
Until next time, I think maybe I'll see if I can get my hands on some skillet cornbread. That looked good. Mmm, yum, yum. And I think I'm going to go smoke and drink up in the attic.